Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. All power. I do thank you for it. God, I pray that as we transition to the Word, God, we just say that you would challenge us. God, you'd change us. God, you'd make us more like you. That, that we would take on your nature and your character. And we'd remind a lost and dying world of a Savior that, that loves them radically. God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's right. Put your hands together. Come on. He's alive. Hey. Come on. I said he's alive. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Yeah. Man, I thought you ain't going to PGA golf clap me all service long. I ain't having that now. Come on, somebody. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to rejoice. Listen, you ain't got to get excited, but I'm going to. Come on, somebody. Me too. Stanley and I got this. Come on, somebody. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be continuing our series, uh, Three Days to Grace. going to be out of Philippians chapter 3, and I'm super, super, super excited. It's so much fun. I love Easter. Anybody else? Anybody? Can anyone? Yeah, could anyone else not sleep last night? I went, I went to bed at 1.35 and I got up at 2 a.m. That's no joke. Come on, somebody. It, I, I'm anticipating today. Amen. I, I feel, I feel uh, almost like, like, like maybe Mary and Martha. And I'm not saying I'm a Mary. I'm just saying I feel a little bit like that uh, in the sense that I couldn't wait to wake up. Now, they couldn't wake up, couldn't wait to wake up for a whole other reason. They, they didn't know what to expect. But how many of y'all know we, would, we know what to expect today? Amen. Amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, three days to grace. Here's what it says, says, starting in verse 8. Would you stand with me? Can we do that today? Can we do that as we read the Word of God? Don't do that every week, but we're going to today. It says, indeed, I count everything, say everything, everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Amen. I thought someone might clap right there. I said that I might know the power of the resurrection. And may share and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. In verse eleven, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm so excited. I love, I love, I love Paul's writing right here, guys. It's so it's so good, man. Paul Paul's writing to the believers in Philippi, and he's going, you guys. I had some good stuff. Paul said, I had some good stuff in my life. Like there was a time when I had some wealth. There was some time uh, when I had quite a bit of notoriety. When, 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 when I walked in to the restaurant, people knew who I was. That's what Paul's saying. He said, when I walked around town, they were like, 
Don't, y'all, that's Paul, man. That's the man right there. Like he's saying, like, like there was a time in my life that, that everywhere I went, man, people were like there, like, like they knew me and I got favors from people and I was, man, I was making money and I was advancing in, in my craft and I was, I was doing some incredible things, Paul's saying. But he said that God, verses, verse eight, is so good. Come on, somebody. He says that God is so good. Like, like we have to kind of read, read the emotion that we can. We have to read in between the lines to get the emotion that Paul's saying this with, right? Because it's a letter. But it's kind of like a text message. You can't always uh, tell emotion from a text message, right? Paul, Paul was almost as if saying, guys, I've had some good stuff, but God is so good that everything else in my world has lost its value. Like, like, like the presence of God, it's so good that if I ain't ever have anything in my life again, it don't even matter because I've gained Christ. That's what he's saying. He said that God is so good. You ever had something, but then you got something new and it was just better? You ever had that happen in your life? Like, we bought our first... Um, New TV a few years ago. We've been married 15 years in June. I, I was going to say, y'all better clap. She done dealt with me for almost 15 years now, y'all. We bought our first new TV a few years ago. Not that we don't watch TV. I just would, I, I'm that guy, like, I'd help people move, and there'd be a massive TV. Um, not necessarily a big screen, just real heavy. And I'd be with my friends, you and my friend, I'm helping them move, and, and I'm like, all right, let's get the TV. And they're like, nah, I ain't moving it. I said, does it, does it work? They're like, yeah. I said, why aren't we moving it? They said, it's, it's too heavy. I said, well, I'll move it, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> and that's how we obtained a lot of TVs, huh, baby? And so, like, we had TVs, and then that TV went out, and somehow I came across a 32-inch TV, and my poor wife, um, I just set the, the new TV that was also an old, like, box TV on top of the other TV. And, and the old TV that didn't work was my, my TV stand, and the new TV that did work sat on top of it. Um, welcome to Cedar County. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and it was good. And my kids would watch, they would watch Phineas and Ferb on that thing. And they'd watch uh, Penguins, I'm out of gas car on that thing. And we'd watch The Office. You know, we would, we'd watch our shows and it was great. But then we came across this, can you tell her how big was this thing? He says 75 inch. I don't know. I, we, I never, bought a, never bought a new TV in my life, uh, our married life. And so I was like, this seems like a pretty good deal. So I called Tyler, and he knows about that stuff. And he said, you should buy it. That's a deal. So we brought home this massive 75-inch TV. Now, the 32-inch TV was good. But can I tell you, in comparison to the sharpness of color, come on, somebody, the, the picture quality on that 75-inch was so good. Come on, somebody. The, the sound on that thing was so good. Compared to the 32-inch, all of a sudden my kids were unimpressed. Come on, somebody. That's what Paul's saying. He said, what I've experienced in God is so good that everything else I've done in my life, there ain't a home run I've hit. There ain't a big deer I've killed. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. There's not a bass I caught. There's not a, there's not a gobbler that I called in that compares, is what he's saying, to the good. That's Cedar County. That's Polk County. Come on, somebody. That's, that's Southwest Missouri Bible for you. That's the Bo James Version. He says, there's nothing in my life I've ever done that compares to the goodness of God. Wow. 
man. I'm reading this, and I'm just like, my heart is jumping. Matter of fact, he says the word rubbish, and I think that's funny that he says rubbish. We call it junk. Anybody live on a farm? If you live on a farm, you got a junk ditch. Am I right? You've got a junk ditch that my, my big TV that we couldn't haul, it's in your ditch right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like he says, everything else in my life, it goes to the junk ditch compared to what God did. It just goes to a place, and I hope that no one ever checks on it. Come on, somebody. It just goes to a place, and I don't ever, I never think about it again because of the goodness of God. That's what he says. He says, when it's all said and done, I gain Christ. My God, my God, when it's all, when my life is over, he's saying, I gain Christ. And he goes on in verse nine to say, I ain't got to earn it. Matter of fact, I don't deserve it. Like I can't earn it. And even if I could, I'm not worthy of it. That's what he's saying in nine. He says he paid the price, right? He paid the price. And from now, from now on, I carry his name. He says in verse 9, it's his righteousness. It's his ability to stay right, man. I don't have the ability, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough, smart enough, or tall enough. But he is. And so I'm going to lean in on his righteousness and allow his righteousness to carry me into everything that God has called me to do. He says that I might know. Now, I love that word know. Y'all, that, that word know in the Greek literally means to learn. Paul's writing and he goes, the, all this, the, it's so good in his righteousness and I can't earn it that I might learn him or I might learn his nature or I might learn the character of God so that the, the goodness of God could be dis, displayed through my life. That's what Paul's saying. He said that I might learn the nature and the character and the power of the resurrection. My God, I, I love this. But the, the problem is God never intended for anyone to die. Like when he created Adam and Eve, <laughs> he created Adam and Eve eternal. Like he, he, he never intended for sin to enter the world, right? But he gave man free choice, and so it did. But, but that, was never, that was never his plan. It was never his, his goal wasn't, wasn't for Adam to fall, right? He created Adam essentially to rule in terrain. That's what it says, right? His plan was to walk with Adam in the cool of the day, to talk with him. Can I tell you that you were created for the sake of fellowship with God? That's what it's saying. He, the, the, that was Adam's goal. That was the God, God's goal for Adam. He was created just to fellowship with God. But then what, see, what had happened was, then this talking snake starts talking to Eve. Now, I don't know what that looks like for y'all. But I just want to stop and say, when my daughter, when my son says, when I say, why'd you do that? And they say, well, the dog started talking. Come on, somebody. I'm going to whip the dog for sure, just in case. Come on, somebody. I'm just picturing this. Like, I'm just picturing this scenario. Adam's like, what's going on? She's like, this snake talking to me. <laughs> what's he saying? You didn't want to know. <laughs> hey, this snake talks to Eve and he, he tricks her. But what really gets me in this story is that it took a, a talking snake to trick Eve, but it just took a, a naked woman to trick Adam. Come on, somebody. That's messed up, y'all. That's messed up. Right? Like, like, I'm reading this 
this story. And essentially what had happened for Adam and Eve is, is that they, they, had, they, they walked with the presence of God. But there came a time in their life when they decided there's something else they wanted in the moment that would bring an instant gratification that they thought might please them just a little bit more. Isn't that what we do? Maybe not you guys. But I, I can speak for Pastor Clinton. Not Ashley, not Megan. I can talk about JR right now. Just kidding, you're awesome. No, no, that's what we do. It's not that we don't love God. It wasn't that Adam and Eve didn't love God. It was just that they wanted something else right then that would bring an instant sense of gratification, that would meet a need right now. And they gave up, and I always say it, what they wanted most for what they wanted in the moment. And sin entered the world, creating a chasm between us and God, right? So there had to be a plan instituted for resurrection power. I love the story of Elijah. Elijah says, it ain't going to rain till I say it can rain. Come on, that's power, y'all. And, and he walks up and he sees this woman collecting sticks and, and she's got some, she, she, she's collecting sticks and he says, hey, can you give me some water? And she's like, whatever, dude. And, and he says, but before you go, can you, can you make me a, a, a loaf of bread? And she said, I'm gathering sticks. I got a little bit of flour. I got a little bit of oil. I'm gathering sticks so that me and my son can eat the loaf of bread and die. I don't have enough for you. I don't have enough to take care of you. And, and he says, I'll tell you what, you do, you, you make it for me and God will take care of you. And, 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 and she did and, and God did and this, the oil didn't run out and the flour wasn't used up for a, for a long period of time. And then one day, uh, Elijah comes to the house and she had made a room for him in the upper up like on her on her uh, on her roof they 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 added on can I say it like that and the boy the widow's son he dies he just dies he's a boy like way before his time he just he just he just dies and and, and it's crazy what happens is, is, is Elijah then grabs him from his mama's house and carries him up to the, I'm a, it's the upper room, to the upper room and lays him on the bed. It's really foreshadowing of what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2 when they get together and they wait on resurrection power from heaven to be poured out on all the earth. Come on, somebody. They're just waiting, amen? So he takes this boy to the upper room and he lays him on the bed and, 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 and he breathes life into the boy and he speaks resurrection power over this dead boy. And the boy goes, <gasps> and, and, and breath of life fills his lungs. Breath of life again fills his lungs, and, and, and the life flooded back into this little boy. Now, here's what's crazy. God had already provided for the widow and his son so they wouldn't die in times of famine. See, there's times in our life that God has already done stuff for us. He's already done some miracles and some time passes and we're in need of another miracle. And all of a sudden we, we, we feel like he's forgot us. And it's almost as if Elijah, it's almost as if God is looking down at this widow. And he said, if I was going to allow this thing to take you out, I wouldn't let it happen the first time. But because I saved you the first go round, I'm going to continue to allow this resurrection power to be at work in your life no matter what you face. But it's funny, we catch ourselves in moments of worry and concern saying, God, do you not care? 
He goes, didn't I do it before? Well, yeah, but what about now? Didn't I do it before? Well, yeah. Well, I changed not. I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today. I can't hear you. Yesterday, today. And some forever, y'all. Forever. Forever, forever, ever, ever. I love what this is saying. If you're going through some stuff, Elijah takes the problem and he gets alone with God. Take this problem to God and get alone with him and allow resurrection power to infiltrate every area of your life. Elijah trains this young guy named Elisha. Elisha has a very double portion, but a similar ministry that Elijah had. And it's pretty cool. He walks through this town and this lady, this prominent woman, sees him and she says, and she's married, and she says, hey, listen, I can tell that you're a man of God and I want to provide for you. Here's what I want. I want to cook you a meal. Come on, somebody. She was Holy Ghost filled. You guys know what I'm saying? That's what my mama, that's what my grandmama says. Are you hungry? Nope. I'm going to fix you something. Sit down. <laughs> my mom just starts going through the list. You want a grilled cheese? Ma, I just had, I just ate fried chicken. Okay. You want peanut butter and honey? Oh, yeah, I do. I want that. <laughs> Come on, so he says, she says, I'm going to provide for you. And she starts providing. And she eventually builds an upper room for him to stay when he walks through town as well. And, and he says, hey, listen, you've been so good to me. What can I do for you? And she says, I'm good. Like, my life is pretty great, really, right now. And he says, well, I've noticed, long story short, I've noticed that you don't have any kids. And she says, no, I can't have kids. And he says, this time next year, you'll be holding the baby in your arms. And she says, Okay, I'll take it. So she, the, the, sure enough, she has the baby. And, and maybe eight years pass or 10 or 12 years pass. The boys, he's a young boy, the word says. And, and he runs up to his dad and he says, Dad, I don't feel good. And what does a dad do? Unless if you're a doctor, what does a dad do? He says, go see your mama. Come on, somebody. That's what this daddy does. I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you, but then go see your mama because she's a better nurturer. So she goes and sees the mom. He goes and sees her mama and he lays her head in her lap and the boy yet again dies. And she says, uh-uh, I ain't good with this. And she takes the boy and lays him in the presence of the Lord in that upper room and she goes and finds the man of God. Now I was thinking about this in the context of resurrection power and, and how it's very probable that a lot of us have some things in our life that didn't go the way they thought they would go. Like there's some promise and some things God has called us to and some things, some dreams that we had that didn't really happen the way that we hoped they would happen. And they seem to have just kind of fallen apart. And we're looking at God saying, God, don't you care? God, are you not aware of what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm facing? And I love what she does. She lays him before the Lord. I'm trying to tell someone today, maybe you got to lay the relationship before the Lord. So you're trying to control it, but you can't do it because you're not God. You just need to lay it before the Lord. Maybe it's a child and that child is being rebellious right now. Maybe you need to lay him or her before the Lord and say, God, I don't know what to do anymore, but I trust you. Maybe, maybe the problem with your situation is that you got two hands on it. And really, you're strangling the life out of it. Maybe you need to let two hands off of it and lay it before the presence of, lay it before the Lord. Let go of it and say, God, it's yours now. And then she went and found the man of God. Maybe you need to let go of it and run to him and say, God, you know what to do. 
God, I, I don't know how to handle this. God, I believe in resurrection power, but I don't know what to do in this scenario. I'm letting go and I'm laying it before you. Have your way. And resurrection power. The, the man of God shows up and he speaks life over the boy and resurrection power fills the boy's lungs yet again and he comes back to life. Resurrection power. He can breathe life into your relationships. He can breathe life into your businesses. He can bring, breathe life into your hopes and your dreams. He can breathe life into your fight. He can breathe life into every area of your world. But some areas you got to let go and let him. Another time, matter of fact, Elijah I'm sorry, Elisha goes, he passes away and they bury him in his tomb. And then some, some days pass and, and Elisha's gone and, and there's a funeral procession and they're, they're, they're in a caravan. And as the caravan goes by, some, some thieves see the caravan and they come up and they attack the caravan. And, and the people are terrified, so, the, so, they, so they get rid of the dead weight. And they throw the body into the... I thought you might laugh at my funny joke right there. <laughs> I just thought of it. So they take the body and they throw it in the tomb. And, and they're just trying to escape. And when the body goes into the tomb, it lands on Elijah's bones. And when it lands on Elijah's bones, the, the body of that man, his eyes open. He takes a breath of life and he comes like thriller video walking out of that tomb, y'all. It was insane. Don't you know the thieves were terrified? See, I'm saying I want to get to a place in my life where I'm, where, 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 where I'm such in a relationship with the presence of God, where, where me and the Holy Ghost have such a relationship that resurrection power is a byproduct of intimacy with Him. Where resurrection power isn't what we do, but it's who we are. That it comes across effortlessly. So when I see people that are broken, without thinking, without trying, what comes out of me is the love and the power of God. Someone's looking at their friend next to him and they said, he has way too much energy for 8.45 in the morning. I got resurrection power. Problem is, I've seen too much. I've seen God do too much. I've seen him restore too many relationships. I've seen him do too many miracles to at this point believe anything different. It's so crazy. Matter of fact, there's another time <laughs> Ezekiel, the Lord comes to Ezekiel and it takes Ezekiel by the spirit and lays him in a valley and stands him in a valley of dry bones. And there's, there's maybe a, the shoulder bones not connected to the arm bone. Come on, somebody. The femur bones over here, but the knee bones over here. Am I talking to anybody in the house? And, and, and they're all scattered abroad of this valley of dry bones, and, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says, hey, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel, I love Ezekiel's response, because it's very Christianese. He said, only you know. <laughs> you thought it was spiritual, didn't you? No, no, no. That was, this was what Ezekiel was saying. Hey, this is the conversation. God speaks to Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, I have a call on your life. And there's some dry bones and I need you to bring life to them. And he looks back and he says, God, I don't have what it takes. Now, can we put that in context of our life? Hey, I need you to do this or I need you to go here. Or I need you to give that. And we look back at God and say, God, I can't do it. That's really what was going on. Hey, can these dry bones live? Only you know. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. He's looking at God. I don't want to do it. Kind of afraid of doing it. 
Only, only you know. And, and, and God says, speak resurrection power over these bones. He says, speak to the bones and, and tell them to come back together. And so he does. And the knee bone connects to the, to the, the, the leg bone and the, and, and, and the leg bone to the hip bone or however that song goes. Amen. And it all comes back together. And, and the Bible says that arose before him an army of the living God. Now, I like this story in the context of resurrection power. Because I think I got some people in the room today that it feels like everything they had is unraveling before them. And all their hopes and dreams are coming apart. And what they thought was, was good is now over here. And it was supposed to be over here. And it's over here. And what was here is over here. And everything in front of your very eyes is falling apart. And you're wondering, God, what do I do now? God, I, I can't hold it all together. God, I can't seem to, to keep it all in place. God, I, I'm just wore out. I'm just, I'm in a dry season. That's what we call it. I went through a dry season uh, several years ago. It was like 18 months. of, and, and I was seeing God do stuff. But personally, I was just real dry. You ever been there? I didn't think so. I have. <laughs> just kidding. I was in a real dry season, y'all. It was miserable. And it was so crazy because I called a, a mentor, a friend of mine, and I said, man, I'm just, man, pastor, I'm just in this really dry season. I don't know what to do. It's, I'm discouraged. And I'm pushing through, and I, I ain't gave up, but I'm, I'm frustrated. I mean, I'm fascinated. Come on, somebody. And I'm trying to make it, but I'm just, I'm struggling. Man, I'm, I'm just struggling. And this guy, very spiritual, very spiritual man, man of God, he is. He really is. He, he said, man, you know what? I went through that season not too long ago. I didn't tell him how long that mine was. And he said, I went through a three-week dry season, bless God. And I was in that dry season asking God why. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, how much sweeter is the rain than in the desert? And I said, bro, that's awesome, but it's been 18 months. And he goes, crap, dude, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Thanks. See, sometimes there's no words for what you're going through. And you're calling people to, to try to help you and encourage you, but the reality is there's times in your life when you there's just no words for what you're facing. And we don't understand why the dry season comes all the time. Although I can tell you biblically, everyone that walked through the desert walked into promotion. I wish I had time to talk about that right now. I wish I had time to go there right now. <laughs> But this dry season, and, and, and maybe, maybe resurrection power in the dry season, God's saying, you can't hold it all together, but I can. And resurrection power can bring, can bring families back together. We had a family just not too long ago, split up. They were done, divorcing. It was, I mean, when I say over, like, I counseled them both. She wanted no part. I am absolutely done with this relationship. I do not want to be married to him anymore. I can't stand him. The thought of him makes me violently sick. <laughs> I said, if it ain't good. I said, if it ain't good. I said, if it ain't good, then it ain't over. And it may be bad, but it won't end bad. I kept telling them, if it ain't good, it ain't over. It may be bad, but it won't end bad. And, and probably months and months and months pass, and, and she gives him the paperwork, and he's, he's, he said, Pastor, I don't, want, I don't want a sign, but I don't know what else to do. So he signs his name, and he gives it back to her. And it's laying before, and she just goes, I'll sign tomorrow. 
tomorrow rolls around and she says, I'll sign it tomorrow. I got stuff to do right now. I'll sign tomorrow. Come on, somebody. I'll sign tomorrow. Uh, on the back half of that, can these dry bones live? Only you know. Oh, God, only you know. But, but just in case, if it's a possibility, we're going to speak life over these dry bones and things that we thought could never be put back together when resurrection power, when the anointing of the Holy, when, when Jesus shows up in a relationship, when Jesus shows up in broken places, how many of y'all know they fit together perfectly every time? And that couple is doing better than their, that they got back together, they tore up the papers, and they are doing better than they ever have in their 25-year married life. It's resurrection power, y'all. That's all. It's resurrection power. Jesus, he knew all about it. He's walking. Um, he's hanging out, you know, and he's walking, and there's a crowd of people, and the, the Bible says they're buffeting, and they're all over him, and as he's walking in this in this crowd, this woman, she reaches up, and the Bible says she touches, I've, I've told you all this, she touches the hem of his cloak, and, and, and that's true, but the hem of his cloak was that, would have been, he was wearing a priestly garment, so the hem of his cloak, cloak there was things called tallits, and there were six, like 613 of them, and they represented the commandments, and the laws, and the truths of God. So when she when it says that she touched the hem of his his robe, she was touching the literal promises that God declared over her life. And matter of fact, the word touched in the Greek doesn't mean she touched. It means she grabbed a hold of. So as he's walking by, Jarius says, my daughter's sick. Can you come heal her? And he says, absolutely. And in the middle of him going to her house, this woman grabs a hold. I said, she grabs a hold of the hem of his garment. She grabbed a hold of the promises of God. And she said, I refuse to let go of what your word says until it's manifesting in my body. I refuse to let go of what you said about my life until every piece of it is being fulfilled and, un and unveiled into my life. She held on. And he's like, he, he says, well, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples were like, oh, here Jesus goes again. About 5,000 people touched you, Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. Someone grabbed a hold and refused to let go no matter what they faced. They refused to let go until they got what they needed from me. Who touched me? I felt power, the word says, leave my body. And she, she's healed from that moment. About that time, they come to Jairus and they say, your daughter... She's dead. Just thinking about those interruptions. You ever had those interruptions with God where it just feels like he forgot about you? You've been praying for something for a while and it just seems like he forgot about you. Can I tell you, the only thing worse than having a dream and, and not getting to experience it is having a dream and getting it too early. Because then, then it, it dies. See, sometimes these interruptions, it's not the, it's almost as if he was telling Jarius, God was telling Jarius, I'm allowing this interruption to come because if I didn't, I'm going to heal your daughter and she's going to be good either way. But if I didn't allow this interruption, see, what I have for your life is bigger than you thought. And, and I know you don't fully understand what I'm trying to do right now, but see, I want your name, Jarius, to be recorded for all the time so that on Easter, April 21st, 2019, in Bolivar, Missouri, this crazy out-of-control church called The Hill is going to be talking about you. But if I do it your way, it'll be forgotten. 
but if you allow me to have my way, it'll stand the test of time. Another guy died, and his name's Lazarus, and Jesus shows up to the funeral three days late. Uh, my mom, she I call her the general. My whole family does because we're afraid of her. Come on, somebody. My mom, if you're 10 minutes late, me and Megan's family and my family, I've told you all this, we, are, we could not be polar opposites. Like my mom, isn't it right, JR? She ain't, if she says dinner starts at 6, that doesn't mean we're going to pray and eat at 6. It means we're going to pray and we're going to dish our plates at 5.55 and someone is taking the first bite at 6. Megan's family, one Easter, about, about 15 years ago, we were on our one of our first Easter's together, and we were coming back to, we were actually eating, doing a picnic at the lake with aunts and uncles and cousins. There's a whole bunch of people from, from Megan's side going to be there. Now, we're 30 minutes late. I got grounded one time for being six minutes early. I kid you not. But her clock said I was four minutes late, so I got grounded for four days. I said, Mom, your clock's fast, and she said, you know my clock's fast. You grounded. I said, but that's not fair. She said, it don't have to be fair. You grounded. So we're 30 minutes late, and I'm freaking out. And, I, and the, the, we were driving around, and we can't find the place. And anxiety tops anxiety and frustration topples on top of frustration. And I finally call her mom, and I'm like, Mom, I can't find this place. Belinda, I don't know where I'm going. Where y'all at? I can't find y'all. I'm going to lose my mind. And the problem, the problem is her family likes to eat healthy. So there's literally seven kinds of salads and fried chicken. Now, I'm down for the fried chicken, but I don't care for salad. So the problem is me and about four uncles and about 12 cousins are going to fight over the three pieces of fried chicken. And now I'm 30 minutes late. I call her mom, and I'm like, there's going to be no fried chicken left. All there's going to be is, is macaroni salad, whatever. That, there's no cheese in macaroni salad. Don't call it macaroni salad. I'm frustrated. I said, Mom, where are you guys at? I can't find you. And she says, her mom says, well, we're the same place we always are. I said, I just went there and there was no one there. And she said, oh, I know. We're all running behind. Aunts, uncles, cousins, parents, grandparents. We were 30 minutes late, y'all, and we were the first ones there. <laughs> Jesus shows up three days late to Lazarus's funeral. He's dead. Matter of fact, the sister says, he already stinks, God. He already stinks. And he said, I know. He says, he walks up and he says, move that stone away. That stone represents the law. He says, remove everything that separates you from me. Don't allow anything to stand in the way of me and you. If anything that gets in between us, get it out the way. And they move the stone away. And he, he speaks into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come Fourth, the, the tradition is if he didn't say the name Lazarus, that every, there was such resurrection power in that word, in that name Jesus, that everybody every, in every tomb in all of the land would have came walking back alive. Come on, somebody, my God in heaven. And you don't think you can, you don't think he can control your cable bill. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes walking out of that thing and he's bound hand and foot and he gets out. And I love what Jesus says next, Johnny. He says, okay, he moved from death to life. Now remove the grave clothes. Some translations say, unbind him and let him go. I like that. 
unbind him and let him go. What he was saying is, now that he's transferred his membership from death to life, even though he's alive and no longer dead, he really can't walk the way I've called him to walk. And because there's some hindrances in his walk, and I, I really have Lazarus to follow me until I'm gone. And so as much as I love, I'm so proud that he's no longer dead, and I'm thankful that he's alive, I don't want him just to be alive. I want him to live and breathe and move the way I've created him, to live and breathe and move. And I don't want there to be any hindrance in his walk. They come to Jairus. They say, your daughter's dead. It's too late. Jesus says, it's, it's cool. Let's go. I don't think he said it's cool. He said something different. Let's go. So they show up and there's mourners at this little girl's house. There's, there's broken people. They're crying. And I love what he says. He says, huh, you're saying she's dead, but, the, but I sense life here. Maybe you're going through some stuff and no one's ever told you that it may look like it's over. But by the power of God, I see there's life there. He said, she's just sleeping. And the people start laughing. And you know what he does next? Jesus does next. He kicks everybody out the house. Can you imagine having a house guest and he kicks you out your own house? I just, um, I think in cartoons. Come on, somebody. It's like, I picture it. Like, I just picture like having Jesus in my house and going, Get out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you do? He says, y'all get out of here. I don't, want, I don't want any level of unfaith in my world. As a matter of fact, he says, Peter, James, and John, I want to take you three with me. I want to take you three as we go pray for this little girl. Can I tell you that there's times in your life when you have to walk in resurrection power and you got to control your circle? There's times in your life that what God has for you to walk in, even though you love people and even though you care for people, they can't go to that next level with you. That's better preaching y'all are giving me right now. That's real, y'all. It don't matter. Jesus loved, uh, loved some of these guys, but only Peter, James, and John got to experience that ne next level. He loved these guys. He lived with these guys. But see, there's some things in life you got to quit exposing everyone in your world to. There's some ideas that you're having you can't share with everybody in your circle. Because you may have 12 good friends, but one of them is Judas. There's one in every 12. Can I preach it today? And you're going to allow Judas into the deeper places of your world? Jesus knew who Judas was. He allowed him to be around because he loved him. But he wouldn't let him go into the inner, innermost places. There's, there's times you have to guard the deeper things of God. You have to guard those deeper dreams and deeper desires. He walks into the room. And he grabs a hold of her hand and he says this right here. He grabs a hold of her hand and he says, Talitha Kum, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, little girl, wake up. And she opens her eyes and he pulls her up. And I'm sure he hugs her like I am my daughter. And he says, hey, it's a funeral, right? We're like, yeah. He said, I know there's fried chicken here. Bless God. I got to get some fried chicken. It's got to happen. I'm going to kick. He said, get the girl some food. She's hungry. Get her some of that. There's resurrection power. Even in the places you think it's impossible. 
There's resurrection power that goes beyond what you can fathom. Jesus, he lives. Bam, uh, Faith, will you come help me? Bam, come on up, guys. <laughs> Tyler, you come up too, man. Come on up, guys. Adam, grab that cajon, man. Can you do that? Jesus, guys. He lives this perfect life. And he died on the cross and he went to the grave and he fought hell for you. And only you. And me and only me. And, and, and Paul would later write in Corinthians, Death, grave, where's your sting? Death? You have no hold on me? And I love this story because the ladies come looking for Christ and they're like, they come to the grave and they're going to anoint him and all that stuff, right? And the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He says, why are you looking for life among things that really can't bring life? See, we immediately go, that's right. Why am I looking for life in unhealthy relationships? Why am I looking for life in drugs and alcohol? Why am I looking for life among all this? And I think that's so true, and that's a great preaching point. But can I tell you, why am I looking for life in deer hunting? And I love to deer hunt. Why am I looking for life in motorcycles? It's not that motorcycles are bad, and I know deer hunting ain't bad. They're going to be deer hunting in heaven. Come on, somebody. We're just going to resurrect them. Put a replica on the wall. They're all going to be big. See, sometimes we're looking for life, Zoe life, that Jesus came to bring. And we're trying to fill it with hollies. That's not how it works. Can I tell you, you know what happiness is? Happiness is because of your circumstance. But joy is regardless of your circumstance. So if I walk outside and someone says, Pastor Bo, I wanted to buy you something. So I bought you a 1967 Chevelle Black SS with white racing stripes. It's awesome. You don't want to be happy? But you know what that car, if I drive it out and someone steals it or someone and Mason can't catch them and they steal it and they roll out, I'm still going to have joy. Because joy doesn't, joy is regardless of my circumstance. He says, ladies, why are you looking for life among temporal things? Why are you looking for, th for, for what should bring the most life among ordinary, mundane, average things? He's alive. Don't you know that he's, he's alive? He's risen, they say. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Paul said that I might know the greatness of his resurrection power. But then I'm trying to close, y'all. But then Paul says something, fable, and it messes with my mind. I didn't even want to read it, but I have to because it's there. We got to teach the whole council, amen? Even the parts that make us uncomfortable. Jerry, even the parts that I don't want to talk about because they, they may, I don't know how to even teach them. Here's what it says. That I may share in his sufferings. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to get y'all fired up by resurrection power and then go, but they're suffering too. So, so can I change, just for the sake of our understanding, can I say it like this? Can I say that he's talking about pressure? And he's saying, he's, Paul's saying, listen, I, I want to know the pressure. I want to share in the pressure because the pressure is part of the process to really have a revelation on the resurrection power. I can't 
can't have power without the process. And pressure is part of the process. I don't like the pressure. Paul's talking. But I've, I've had a lot of stuff in my life. And I don't like the pressure. But I can't live without the power. I don't like the process all the time. Uh, Elijah, I'm sure, was like, I don't want to see this little boy die. And, and Jarius didn't want to see this little girl die. And, and Mary and Martha didn't want to see Lazarus die. And, and Ezekiel didn't want to show up in a valley of dry bones. But for their future, they needed to discover Pastor Tyler taught something last night in Nevada. I never heard it. I've heard variants of it, and I believe them all to be true. You all know the tradition that uh, when they would eat at a meal, you know, they'd fold their napkin. And there's different ways that's taught. Some say that they would fold it in such a way that directed the way they would come back. So if, if I was eating and I had to run, to run to the restroom, I would fold my napkin, and it would point the direction of, that I went so you could expect me to come back that way. I think that's good. I think that's good. Because when he folded the napkin in the tomb, it could have been pointed up saying, look for me to come again. But there's another, there's another way, another tradition um, in, in, in Judaism that they would do back then. And if they liked the meal, they would fold the napkin a certain way. And if they didn't like the meal, they would fold it a different way. And they believe that when Jesus got out of that tomb, he folded that napkin in a way that suggested that he didn't like the meal. He said, I tasted death. And I don't ever want to taste that again. <laughs> I tasted death. And I did it for you so that you never truly have to taste what it feels like to die. Because even if you do, you'll live again. Because I paid the price for you to walk in fullness. Because I paid the price for you to walk in healing. For I paid the price for you to walk eternally. Hey guys, don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message. And also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations, or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.